For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So the question is, what does freedom look like to Paul? What does slavery look like to Paul? And uh, what does freedom look like according to the world? Well, uh, some of culture's catch lines for freedom, they'll be familiar to you, do it my way. Do my own thing, look out for number one. Madison Avenue will tell you that you deserve and you can just fill in the blank. And if you do this, buy this, go here, go there or whatever, you will be happy, you will be healthy, you will be wealthy, you will be wise, um, and even you will be able to extend your life. And some will even tell you the lie that you will never die. Those are the catch lines for culture's freedom. But what has happened is, as we have uh, taken in those lies and believed them, that we have uh, now a society with a great sense of entitlement. I should be able to do anything I want. And society or the church or school or my parents or my spouse should provide for all my needs. And we see what's happened with this is that we have a proliferation of self-help books. If you go into any bookstore, you will find a huge section of self-help manuals. Um, fortunately, there's a billion-dollar uh, business uh, right now. It, it's, uh, it's a huge uh, business, the self-help industry. Uh, but psychologists have found that, in actual fact, it's not helpful. <laughs> Uh, because those who have a, self, a high self-esteem, um, it makes them feel okay. But those who have a low self-esteem, it just makes them feel that much worse. Uh, because it's self-help. It's pull yourself up by your bootstraps and um, you can do whatever you want to do. Well, um, I'm reading here from Eugene Peterson's translation of the passage from Galatians that was just read a while ago. Um, he has a turn for words uh, quite uh, well, as you'll see. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. It's not new, however, 
It's not new for our age over any other age. We see it maybe and we see it globally because we have global communications. But when I am in the middle, the old adage, you know, sin, the I is in the middle. When I become the focus of everything, everything has to revolve around me, then community falls apart. And Paul goes on to say that, uh, in a sense, this is the kind of community where it's the survival of the fittest. He says, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. See, in a sense, our own personal, in our own personal freedoms, then we disregard others. It's a natural uh, progression from just thinking about ourselves. And the consequences are um, a, a tearing apart of the fabric of social life, of community life. In fact, in this society, human life gets more and more and more devalued. And although there are cries for justice, uh, justice comes second to our own needs. And justice is fine and well and good only if our own needs are met first. But Paul says that's not freedom. That's actually slavery. Because we think we're free to do whatever we darn well want to do, and yet we become enslaved to these things. We become enslaved to wealth. We become enslaved to sexuality. We become enslaved to our wants and our needs. And then that spirals out of control. We have believed a lie and thought it the truth. We have thought that freedom comes from just doing whatever we want to do. But that's the lie. Paul says that actually the reverse is true. Paradoxically, when we are slaves to Christ, that is when we are the most free. When we are submitted completely 100% to Christ, that is where we find our freedom. But we've been given a lie that we have bought, hook, line and sinker, that freedom means just doing what we darn well please. You know, there's, I'm, I, I think, forgive me, I've probably used this analogy before. In fact, I'm sure I have. You know that I love the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Uh, there is one book called The Silver Chair. And it is a story about Prince Rillian. And uh, the prince um, has lost his mum. And he is grieving over the death of his mum. And so he, he goes off on long journeys by himself just in deep sorrow. And he goes further and further afield into these forests. And one day he encounters this beautiful woman all dressed in green. And uh, they start talking and each day he gets drawn more and more and more so that he's rarely in the town or in the palace. He keeps going out 
uh, to meet this wonderful woman in the green dress. And finally, they can't find him anymore. Prince Rillian is just disappeared. And we find that he is actually uh, in this woman's kingdom. Of course, she's a witch. And uh, it's an underground kingdom. He's allowed to ride out every once in a while. But she has told him that in order to protect himself when he rides out, um, he needs to be completely encased from head to foot to toe um, in armor, in a black armor. And of course, it's so that nobody will recognize him. And she has enchanted him. But there is one time every day when she has told him that although he is very much himself during the day, there is one time every day that for his own safety and for the safety of those around him that he must be secured in a silver chair. Uh, because then something overtakes him and he becomes furious and angry and tries to get out and she's just really worried that he's going to do a damage to himself or those around him. Well, the children in the books are sent to rescue Prince Rillian. And they come and they, uh, the, the journey is spectacular and they come with a marsh wiggle and uh, one of those creatures in Narnia. And uh, they finally find uh, Prince Rillian. And it's about the time when he is going to have this fit. And so he says, under no circumstances, children, must you release me from this chair because I can't be responsible with what might happen. I might kill you. I might be really violent to myself and to you. And so he's strapped into the chair. But what happens is that that is actually the only time that he is truly himself. In the chair, the witch, the witch's enchantment wears off every day for an hour. And so he comes to his senses and he says, children, release me from these bonds. I'm truly myself. And yet he's told them, no, before when he was enchanted, don't ever do that. And so now they don't know what to do. Should they release him or should they keep him bound? And then they remember some words that Aslan, the lion, the lion of Judah, the Christ figure in the stories, told them before they went on this journey. And so they take a leap of faith and they release him. And he is now free from the enchantment and they escape from there. You see, it's an analogy, it's a story about what the enemy has done to us. We go through our lives believing the lie that freedom is, in fact, our slavery. That what the enemy calls freedom actually enslaves us. But when we are slaves to Christ, when we are completely under his authority, then we have all of this freedom. We are free from fear. We're free from the need to please every Tom, Dick and Harry. What does that do? It just creates terrible tension in ourselves when we're pleasing people instead of pleasing the Lord. Freedom from fear, peace amongst ourselves. 
Now, what Paul is not saying, although there's an opposition set up here between flesh and spirit, he's not saying that flesh, that these human created bodies are bad. God, after all, created us in our flesh, human, and pronounced it good. But what Paul is saying, and of course God came and incarnated himself in human flesh. But what Paul is saying is, is what is inside, what is our motivating factor out of which we live in the flesh? Is it the Spirit of God that resides in us, or is it this, uh, this worldliness that comes forth and makes us act in ways that actually enslave us? Where is our motivation? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit, the collect says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, are we allowing the Holy Spirit as our motivation? Again, I'm reading uh, Paul's words, but translated by Eugene Peterson. My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical. So you cannot live at times one way and at times another way, according to how you feel on any given day. Choose to be led by the spirit. And see what happens in that is that the fruit of the Spirit shows forth in our lives. Because if the center is the Spirit, then we blossom in the Spirit. We blossom and bear fruit according to the Spirit. It's what we were singing just now about about being transformed into Christ. Christ being our glory and his glory shining forth from each and every one of us. What happens, again, I'm using Eugene's translation, what happens when we live God's way? (coughs) He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for each other, exuberance about life, serenity, We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. For then we become fully human. Our humanity is the same as Christ's redeemed humanity. We become truly human it's up to us it's up to us to be the kingdom of god which is it within us and to spread the kingdom of god transformed lives lives led by the spirit slaves to christ but free 
out so that the kingdom of God overcomes the kingdoms of this world. Let us live free in Christ. As slaves to Christ, we are free in him. And let us not be enslaved by the world. In Jesus' name, amen.